Howdy, what's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, and I use that term, it used to kind of be normal, but now you almost have to quantify it, ladies and gentlemen, and other. No, ladies and gentlemen, we'll stick with that. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender today here on WBT. Appreciate you being a part of our show each and every day. I think Pete will be back with you bright and early tomorrow, but it's always an honor and pleasure to be a part of the family here at WBT. If you would like to get on the conversation wherever it goes or wherever you think you would like for it to go, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. And it's not like we have a dearth, a dearth of things to discuss, do we? It's not like you know, it's that dumpster fire uh, look and feel to things. You know, you think just when I thought something couldn't happen, it does, or just when I thought I'd seen everything, it does. Uh, and a couple of things. I'll start out in the light mode, and then we'll go to the more serious assignation of blame, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. But So yesterday, I did, I, I will admit it, I watched the games. Now, my, my fandom, as it were, is kind of odd, and it's going to offend some of you in the audience. I don't mean for it to, but I just couldn't find myself pulling for any team in the Northeast. I just couldn't. So it was a Kansas City. I was pulling yesterday, and I was watching that game. And it was what was particularly frustrating is Kansas City clearly outplayed, you know, the Bills. Yeah, well, who did they play? I don't even know yesterday. So I was watching the game, and and I was kind of taken aback when when I was watching, you know, Kansas City. They were doing such a great job. I know it was the Ravens. Anyway, the Ravens. It's funny that the Baltimore Ravens and the flocking, and they're going to be the greatest team ever. But it was very much a game of thuggery. I mean, the way the Ravens conducted themselves became more thuggish as the game went on. And it's not like I'm a great Kansas City Chiefs fan. But watching it, what was frustrating to me was not the thuggery. It was, because I come to expect that from Baltimore. So it was watching how slack the Chiefs played in the second half. It got, it was so, it was like they were intentionally, they scored all of, you know, nothing in the second half. The game, from a scoring standpoint, was over in the first half, and all the Chiefs did was try to hold on till the end of the game. It, it was like it was just infuriating watching that. And the only reason they won was because of two critical defensive plays—an interception and a fumble there at the end zone. I mean, the Ravens marched all the way downfield, picked the Chiefs apart, and then it, they don't score two turnovers in the end zone. So that was one. That was the first game. The second game. You know, it was it was easy to pull for San Francisco against the Lions because Detroit. Ah, uh, Detroit. It's Detroit, sanctuary city of Detroit. So, as I'm, so the politics gets in way of the fandom, right? It's not like I have any affinity for San Francisco, I mean Californians, for goodness sake. But the saving grace to me was Christian McCaffrey. If you're a Christian McCaffrey fan from his days at the Panthers, it was it was vindication that he made the right choice. I mean, he breaks Jerry Rice's TD record. It was a but. The frustration in that game was that I thought the game was over. So at the end of the first half, 
as as the the lines are just stomping, just twenty four to seven at the end of the first half, and I just I, I I don't know. I'd rather watch paint dry. It was embarrassing to watch them, so I turned it off. Didn't watch the second half. Then I get up this morning and I'm watching the news and I find they won. They scored twenty seven points in the second half. The Forty ers to beat the Detroit Lions. I'm like, what the hell happened? That's why it's 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 just a game though. Now, not to be outdone, the game. Wasn't just a game. Why? Why is football no longer just a game? Because Taylor Swift is involved. So Taylor Swift dating Kate Kelsey and on her heiress tour, she's all over the place. And, we, and now the it, it, will she be at the Super Bowl? So everything became about Taylor Swift. Now I don't care. She's talented. I, look, I, I couldn't name probably three of her songs. She's huge. She's a billionaireess. She is earned it. She wrote her. She's popular. She's got great marketing. She's doing a fantastic job of, of marketing herself and becoming the biggest pop star in, in at least modern history. Maybe ever. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to be the, the metric by which media uh, memorizes who's what to what and what's the greatest songs of all time. I don't think her songs will survive like the Beatles song, but that's just me. Now, having said that, the media's obsession with Taylor Swift and everything she does is kind of bizarre. Now, does it make me sick? It makes a lot of people sick. It doesn't me. Because that's the way things kind of roll in this day and age. Is that we, we love to major in minor things. The thing that caught my attention as I'm watching this all go down is, and it was, it was only a matter of moments before it came out, and it was that Taylor Swift... And if you ever hear her talk politics, it's it's absolutely abysmal. I mean, I, this this whiny discussion she has with her parents about uh, how she wasn't raised a certain way, and she's very liberal without having any depth, but you don't expect a pop star to have a lot of depth, is that she's clearly going to push Democrats. It's that if Taylor Swift says so, 20% of her fan base or whatever would vote for Joe Biden, that Taylor Swift could single-handedly win the White House for Biden. So so would it be, you know, odd if at the last minute toward the end, you know, Biden starts appearing in commercials with Taylor Swift or she gets and they start, you know, Swift Nation. Now, I happen to believe it's it's all fascinating for them to do all this and, and interesting fodder. It just shows how much how good we have it in this country that we forget that that's not really a relevant point of interest. And if it is true, if it is true that all of these Swift fans would vote for Biden just because Taylor Swift utters the words, then we have far more serious concerns about the nation moving forward. In other words, our our inability to understand almost anything, if a pop star can control the outcome of an election, and I don't believe it. I mean, I, I think it's really newsworthy and, and probably interesting, but I don't think it's going to happen. But But that's just me. Now, we're going to get in. A lot of things I want to talk about today is the concept of freedom, a little bit about history, and how history will look back at this period of time. And I'm going to connect all those dots to what's really happening here, what's really happening with the administration, with our governor, what's happening in the state of North Carolina. Tying it all together, have a little fun here. Again, my name is Chad Adams. I'm sitting in for Pete Callender. Many of you are familiar. I, I, I love the WT greatest station in, in the state by far, and it's an honor to be here. Now, having said that, Welcome back, folks. Chad Adams here, sitting in the wonderful WBT microphone, uh, in front of it, I guess I should say, for Pete Callender, who should return. 
shortly. If you would like to call in and be a part of the show, it's 704-570-1110 here at WPT News Talk 1110. Now, um, we do have a phone caller with us, and I want to get to that first. I was doing a little poking around while while I was waiting for us to come back. Mary is on uh, on the phone. Mary, welcome to the show. How are you today? What's on your brain? Well, I really miss uh, hearing your voice, Chad. I heard the other day that North Carolina is the third highest death, death from fentanyl. If that's the case, I don't hear anything about them trying to do anything about it. And the second thing, I think... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of our Republican, uh, Tom Tillis and Mitch McConnell, both need to retire. It seems like Tom Tillis is always voting with the Democrats. Does he not know he's a Republican? Because I'm really getting tired of it. It's time for him to leave. Wow. I, I think, Mary, we know where you stand now on these things. So uh, a couple of things. Let's let's start with the fentanyl thing. I, I can't find any evidence now. It depends on how you measure. the. Or if you're talking about deaths per capita or overall number of deaths, I can't I haven't seen that statistic you're referring to. What I what I have seen is that actually over the past year, North Carolina's fentanyl deaths have decreased a little bit. But, you know, and we, we're, we're really seeing the dramatic increases in Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Oklahoma. Those are the states where we've seen the massive increase. But it, it is a problem everywhere. And the fact that there's not more of an outcry about it is astounding to me. And, and part of the show today is about that with respect to the southern border. You can't have the kind of millions of people crossing the border and not expect the implications of that to, to, to make manifest throughout our nation with our kids and our in our cities and our towns and North Carolina. Our governor has been a deaf mute. Josh Stein, the attorney general, not wanting to help Texas deal with this issue, not talking about it, ignoring it. So, yes, it's a problem. But I haven't seen the statistic you're talking about. I'm not saying it's not true. I just haven't seen it and don't know what it is, okay? So. Fine. I did hear it on a business report. Uh, I don't know if it was on Fox Business or something, but somewhere where it said that we were the third highest uh, uh, death of fentanyl, and I just thought that was alarming. Well, I think all of the, the fentanyl deaths are alarming. I think that the precipitous rise that we've seen over the past decade of this drug, largely Chinese-produced, imported by the cartels and, and thrown across our border, without repercussion, it seems like, is alarming. Now, with respect to Tillis's voting record, Tillis has always, Senator Tom Tillis, and he's, he was, he's a caller to this station frequently, uh, Senator Tillis has always found himself politically slightly center-right. And I'm not saying that's not an attack on him, but it kind of goes in line with what you're saying. He, he's not typically a politician that is going to be out in the conservative aisle very often. And so he finds himself much more closely aligned with Mitch McConnell. So that's not surprising. With respect to retiring, I think that's his. That's the way he has stayed in office as a North Carolina senator. He runs to the center, and and that's why in, in, he his worst difficulty in politics is making it through a, a difficult Republican primary. But once he makes it through the primary, he does very well because a lot of uh, central and even some Democrats will vote for him. So I don't I don't see him retiring anytime soon. It just depends on how the state moves forward on that front. Fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate all your information. But if anyone finds out the stats on that, I'd, I'd be interested to know what they are. I'll keep poking around with the fentanyl stuff. I did pull some of it up across the nation to see who'd increased the most last year, and then I'll find that because if you heard it, it's probably true. It just depends on how it's said. You know, is it the most deaths per capita or that kind of stuff? Okay, so Mary, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you. (laughs) Now, Mary leads us into 
where I think we find ourselves, when I talked earlier about the concept of freedom, history, and reflection, because if you look at the concept of what we determine is free, that, that's under assault every day. So the concept of freedom in this country as we perceive it and as we, is, is there's an attempt to change what that means every day. By Every day, especially at the local level, you find your freedoms are taken away. You find if in certain areas, in the mountains or the coast, the, the trees in your yard, you don't own them because they can pass a tree ordinance. And they do it in very small ways where they say things like, you know, a diameter at breast height. If it's a certain size, you can't cut that in your yard. You can't remove that tree. Or if your lot that you purchased 20 years ago and you want to build a house on it when you retire, but that lot now has become a place where a certain bird may habitate. And I'm not, this is actually a true story. A certain bird might live that, that finds itself in the endangered species list, not everywhere, but in that particular area, then you're not allowed to build your house there. So you lose your freedoms little by little. It's not all, I mean, we think of Chinese invasion and Red Dawn and that kind of way. Oh, they're all, no, we lose them little by little. And, and I would say that the, with respect to China and these other folks that, that are an existential threat to us, they don't have to do very much when we're doing it to ourselves. They can sit back and watch us get mired in some of the strangest issues. And, and I know if you were to step out of our nation's viewpoint, or the viewpoint you have, and, and with some degree of objectivity, step away from our culture and then look inward at it from outside or from history, we would find it very odd. We would find it very odd that when, this, when they started tearing statues down in this country and started erecting statues to people like George Floyd and tearing statues down, of all other historical figures, the most recent being Thomas Jefferson. Unbelievably, imagine if not only you took Thomas Jefferson's statue down, but you removed everything he stood for and, every, and, and the documents he wrote. So if we can make null and void the documents, I don't know, like the Declaration of the Constitution, null and void, you really don't have a country. There's the only thing that there's really two things that make us a country. One, the respect for a piece of paper we call the Constitution. That's what makes us a country. And the fact that we have borders. Without borders, you're not really a country. So if you were to step out and look in and go, wow, they're, they're tearing down statues of the people that created, allegedly, the freest, greatest nation on earth. They're, they don't care about their southern border. They're stuck in this woke mentality in many ways, you know, where people get their feelings hurt. And, and somehow that is the pathway to litigiousness because of your feelings that we get into social emotional learning that that's important somehow that you know the DEI it's, the US policies abroad how weak we look the Iranians are pushing pushing us because we look weak i mean i, I appreciate that the president say we're going to respond well you created between John Kerry in 2016 for giving billions of dollars and saying yes some of that might go to terrorism it did we see that now we knew it would happen and then the Biden administration giving you know, uh, billions in exchange for a few hostages. And now we see the ramifications of that. Multiple attacks. And now a suicide drone attack that killed three of our servicemen. And the administration comes out and says, these men were in service to our administration. I mean, literally, Corrine Jean-Pierre said it on tape. Not in service to the country. In service to the administration. Very odd, strange behavior. And if you were to step out and look again at... The way we look at our energy policies, the way we make it more difficult for ourselves, and the, the values in our culture, if you were looking at us from above, we seem kind of wackadoo. We do. 
We were not the country that looked wackadoo. We were the country that held it together, the envy of the rest of the world. And now people are coming here because they get free stuff. If I can get across the board, I get free stuff. I can make a better life for myself because my country is not giving me free stuff. And they're not going to send me back. They're not going to arrest me. They're going to give me benefits, and they're going to put me on a list, and I may or may not have to show up in court in the next five years. So that's where we're kind of losing it. And, and, and I have to believe, and then the, 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 when you look at the transgender issue, you have to think, what, you know, if you dig up bones a thousand years from now, they're still going to have an XX or XY chromosome. They're going to be able to genetically test female, male. They're going to, and it's not going to matter what you thought you were. It's not going to matter. It's really not going to matter. It, it's just rather bizarre. It's just rather bizarre. Now, we will spend more time on this going forward because you look at where polls are and, and, and you look at the Trumpism stuff, you look at... There's so much that's been going on, but I will tie this all back. Nothing that makes all those concepts, all those things I just went through, none of those make us stronger. And all the things that make us weaker lead to our inability to survive history. And that's important. It sounds a little preachy. I don't mean for it. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out so we're back that's a great song by the way uh appreciate the staff here at wbt making it all seem flawless and they are fantastic a little bit of update to Mary's call. So I, I did a little poking around, and the the total deaths from fentanyl. You know, of course, we're going to be we're going to be much smaller than the states like California, Florida, New York, Ohio, just because of sheer numbers of people that live in those states. But from a deaths per hundred thousand, North Carolina is indeed in the top ten. In fact, it looks like it's in the top seven, and we've got about. Uh, 30, just shy of 31 deaths per 100,000. That's the latest stats I could find. So it is it is a, an issue. And it's an issue everywhere, even in states where the, the fentanyl death rate is low. So many drugs now are laced with it, and it takes so little of it to have an impact. And the really, the interesting thing about fentanyl is that it is used in hospitals. It, it's a phenomenal pain reliever that's used, but but it's so strictly controlled that in a hospital, when someone receives it, uh, you have to have two personnel in the room. I mean, having witnessed this with friends and family, I know that, that have unfortunately needed that. There are two. There's one that they both have to sign off that a dosage a dose was given. It's used very sparingly. It's highly addictive. And so you have to be real careful with the stuff. Um, but it, it is astonishing that the media, and, 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 I, and I'm trying to think of the way, I've got a, a really good piece I'll go through later in the broadcast about it. The way in which the media 
kind of it, things hit and they're flash in the pan. They're interesting. And they're fascinating. And every Taylor Swift, the Super Bowl, you know, or uh, something happens and that's what the media focuses on. It has the attention span of a blind gnat and goes to the next thing. And it, it, we never really solve. And if you look at where the government's involved, one of the one of the strangest things to me is that we're now 50 plus years into Lyndon B. Johnson's great society and none of the problems that were supposed to have been solved were solved by it. In other words, none of these government programs have ever solved a given societal problem. And in many ways, they likely contributed to making things worse. I was in in Raleigh over the weekend. Uh, whether you go through Raleigh or Charlotte or Wilmington or Asheville, you go through these places. If you're If you're paying attention, and I don't mean like dwelling on things, but if you go through certain intersections and you look around and compare that to what it looked like a few years ago, you just you, you realize it's not better. If you looked at the homeless situation four or five years ago, and I can give you a very specific place, if you go to uh, around the Raleigh Beltline, South Saunders Street exit, not that 20 of you have done that, but if you go to that exit, if you were there four or five years ago, you saw a couple of homeless people there. Now it's an entire like landfill with, with dozens of people that live there. It's, it's horrible. And if the same thing in Charlotte, same thing in Wilmington, same thing in Asheville, the situation has all these government programs, none of, it, none of them have made it better. None of them. So when the left starts screaming about, we need social justice and we need all these things and we want reparations, and all of that, none of that will make anything better. Even Obamacare, the, 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 the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, it never made things more affordable. It never made it more caring. And if you look at actually the insurance companies are laughing all the way to the bank because the, the, the amount of money it takes, the amount of money, the, what it costs, these insurance plans have gone through the roof. They haven't made it better. They haven't made it more accessible. And then we have a governor, our governor, I, I, and you know, by, I, I'm going to say this. Let me preface it because I want to be decent here. By all accounts, seems like a good husband and a good dad. And and but from a policy standpoint, this particular governor is not all that bright. He's just not. He's he has been in elected office too long. He's been very dogmatic in the way he looks at things. He is not someone of profound depth. He should be if he's paying attention, but he's such a political animal that he doesn't even send text messages or emails because he doesn't want his name to be attached to it. He's very measured in the way he says things. He's not and if you notice the media in North Carolina, doesn't really ever have tough. If they ever talk to the governor, it's about, you know, it's about a ribbon cutting or a, a new giveaway, a, a grant, a an incentive policy. It's not about the depth of the issues. And this governor's big claim to fame, what he's excited about, what he texts often about, is other than being a Hurricanes fan, good for him, is the number of people that he is helping to get enrolled on Medicaid. Now, that doesn't that's not a success. And I was, and people who've listened to me on this on this station before have heard me say this, saying that we have 600,000 more people in a state of 10 million that we we now have another 600,000 on Medicaid is not a success story. It's not by no there's no way that having more people on a federal program that is costly, that has massive overruns, that has no semblance of of it has no attachment 
to responsible spending. It hasn't brought prices down. None of these government programs bring prices down. When people think, oh, I've got the Affordable Care Act, i got a plan. No, it's a subsidized plan. It's through the roof. You've got a bronze plan. In fact, you have a plan now that's inferior to the plan you might have had 10 years ago on the same on the same healthcare website, the marketplace. So you're getting less for your money every year, and this governor acts like that's a victory. It's not. So we have to be real careful about the way in which we look. And it's certain, I think people are waking up to this. And, and I say that, people say, what do you mean people are, what, you, you, they're waking up to this? I think they're, they're absolutely waking up to the fact that all of this is a, is a sham. I think they're absolutely waking up to the fact that a lot of this is a sham. How do I know that? Well, so if you follow, like I'm on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to. It's Chad underscore Adams. But Andy Jackson, who tracks a lot of voter registrations, he's been looking at what's happening in North Carolina. The message that Democrats have, it's not selling. It's not working out for them. It's not taking them to the promised land. I mean, their, their one issue is abortion. And it's an unreasonable approach because our governor talks about reproductive freedom. Our attorney general talks about reproductive freedom. But that's not that's a poll-tested phrase because there's nobody that's preventing women from reproducing. They have the freedom to reproduce or not reproduce. They have reproductive freedom. Abortion is an entirely different issue. It's not about reproduction. But here's what's happening to Democrats. So they're looking at weekly voter registration changes and— this last week, Democrats dropped two, in other words, 2,000, over 2,000 people dropped their Democrat registration and switched to either unaffiliated or Republicans. Republicans increased by 1,500. Unaffiliated has increased by almost 4,000. This is not an unusual thing. Folks, you know, uh, Andy Jackson wrote that I hear folks say the drop in the number of Dems is due to them switching influence in the GOP primary. But they're not doing that. D- Democrat registrations have been declining since the 70s. They're declining more rapidly now because Democrats are in trouble on the issue. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side of the break. Democrats are struggling. They're not struggling. They're intentionally obfuscating. They're not standing for anything. They're, they're mired in minor things to try to get you interested at an emotional level instead of an intellectual level. And it's not resonating. It's not resonating with any group right now. And they continue. And instead of saying we can change this, they now just attack the opposition. And we'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side. REO. Old school. Appreciate you being a part of our broadcast this afternoon here at News Talk 1110-993-WBT. If you would like to get in on the conversation, please do so. 704-570-1110. And we were talking a little bit about our governor and uh, our aspiring governor, the AG Josh Stein, who's running. I mean, the Republican primary, by the way, is 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 a fascinating one for governor. Uh, the three most you know, the three candidates really going at it: Bill Graham, the attorney, the Salisbury attorney, is really running an ad campaign in various markets across the state, really going after Mark Robinson. And Mark Robinson, the presumptive uh, leader, the current lieutenant governor, with with an interesting background that. If you think the ads that Bill Graham, the ones that he's running right now, are tough, you wait until the Democrats run the same ad on steroids. Because any criticism of Mark Robbins that you see coming from Bill Graham will be amplified by about 10 or 20 by the time November comes around. The other is is the state treasurer, Dale Falwell. 
Uh, I've known Dale for 20 some odd years. Uh, the treasurer has done a remarkable job there. He's a very low key. I, I can't a low key candidate pull that out. I mean, he doesn't. There's a, two reasons Bill Graham doesn't attack Dale Falwell. One, because he's not the, the, the lead dog, so to speak. And second, because it would be very difficult uh, to do that without harming himself. So Dale Falwell, an outstanding candidate, Mark Robinson, the presumptive leader, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Now, on the Democrat side, it's pretty much a fait accompli. Josh Stein does have a Mike Morgan's running against him. He does have a, a primary, so to speak, but it's more of a more of just a primary than it's kind of like saying Joe Biden has a primary. So. But, but Josh Stein and, and Governor Cooper are doing everything they can to avoid talking about the issues. They're avoiding, you know, it was the other day Joe Biden was in, in town in, in, in North Carolina, actually in, in the central part of the state, and he made a mention of having his photograph taken with Deborah Ross. Oh, she was just here a minute ago. Where's where's Miss Ross? Where's Congressman Ross? She was just here a minute ago. I just had my picture taken with her. No, he didn't. She was in D.C., I mean, the, the mental lapses are huge. He referred to uh, Trump as the sitting president, I think, yesterday. He's got gaffe after gaffe after gaffe, especially when he's not in front of a teleprompter. That's when it really becomes present. Now, criticism of Trump, there's a lot of valid criticisms of the former president. I, but let's also be fair and say there needs to be there needs to be a lot of criticism of this current administration. It's, it, it is a train wreck in action. And speaking of train wrecks, he still hasn't gone to East Palestine. He promised to do that. I don't know, whatever the accident has been like a year. And and worth knowing, do you know it's been 114 days since Americans were taken hostage in Gaza? And we don't even hear it in the news. We hear nothing about that in the news. The border, we've had more people come across the border with Biden in office than the population of 33, not the combined population, but if you took 33 states to look at their total population, we've had more come across the border than in other words, if you were to take all the people that came across the border and make them a state in and of themselves, they would have more congressional representation than 33 states. That's the kind of future vote. Groups that historically have been on their side, they know that they have one issue, and that's abortion. You'll notice that Josh Stein and Roy Cooper really only talk about that. They don't like to talk about the economy. They don't like to talk about the trans issue. They don't like to talk about uh, the, the, the snowflake mentality stuff or DEI or energy or culture. They've got one issue. That's it. And they're doubling and tripling down on that one. But like the situation in Texas, it's interesting because this border policy, which is an absolute travesty from an American history standpoint, from anything about our culture, about our founding, about anything about this country. And then there's plenty of things to criticize about this country. The left is really good at doing that. But the fact that our sitting governor in this state that is directly impacted with fentanyl, with illegals, with all, all of the problems at the Texas border are problems here in North Carolina across our state. And our governor has been deaf, blind, and mute. He is at a walking, talking Tommy movie with respect to that issue. And our attorney general, Josh Stein, also deaf, blind, mute. All of them. All of them. They've ignored it. They want to pretend it doesn't exist. It's invaded our state. 25 other states have helped Texas, have made this a national issue because Texas is saying, if the U.S. isn't going to do its job, we will. And a lot of Democrats say, well, that's because Josh Stein, they're obeying the law. They're like, the Supreme Court didn't say that Texas couldn't defend the border. 
They said that Texas couldn't uh, uh, not allow <laughs> couldn't not allow people the, the the federal government to cut into that reservoir and get access to that park. But it is unbelievable the degree to which these Democrats in this particular age, Democrats from thirty years ago, would would be appalled at this. You have to really suspend your reality. If you, were to, if you were to do a Back to the Future episode where Democrats were transported from the 80s to today to look at what their party stood for, the conversion to becoming Republicans would have, would have happened 30 years ago. They're, they would go back to the 80s and say, you're not going to believe what our party stands for in, in 2024. You're not going to believe it. They want men to compete in women's sports and think it's okay and defend it. Not only that, they think it's okay to let kids pick their gender when they're five and six years old. They think it's okay. No, you got to be kidding, John. No, I just traveled there. I came back from the future, and that's what we stand for in the future. No. Oh, and you're not going to believe this. The border? We let three million people in, and our party's the one who did it. Our president did that. Our Demo- the, the Joe Biden guy, the plagiarist from the 80s. Yeah, he becomes president. Wait, the guy who plagiarized got thrown out of his own primary? Yeah, that guy. He's the president. And his crack-addled kid, oh, that's another whole story. And the guy that built Trump Tower, he's now the number one contender and former president. So it's just a, it's just a wackadoo through the looking glass reality that they're in. Now, do, um, let's talk about the Iranian situation because I want to remind people where we are. Is that in 2016, and this is literally from CNN politics, from CNN on January the 21st in 2016, they confronted John Kerry. He was in Davos, the same place he likes to go on his jet-powered planes that don't contribute. His planes don't contribute to climate change. Everyone else's does. So he was talking to CNBC, and here's what he said. When asked about – this is in 2016, so I'm kind of setting this up. When asked about whether some of the $150 billion in sanctions relief to Iran would go to terrorist groups, John Kerry – then working with the Obama administration, reiterated that after settling debts, Iran would receive closer to $55 billion. Oh, what's a billion here and there? He did concede that some of that could go to terrorist groups, and there's nothing that the U.S. can do to prevent it. Now, I, I want you to think about that for a minute. So the Obama administration, with the leadership of John Kerry, forgave and gave Fifty-five billion. Let's just say, let's use his number because one hundred fifty billion. They said fifty-five. Fifty-five billion. That money went to Hamas. It went to Hezbollah. It went to the 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 Houthis. It's gone. It is directly led to the deaths of Americans. It is directly led to the kidnapping of Americans. John Kerry and the Democrats directly led to all of those situations. The October seventh massacre, or October twelfth massacre, the massacre in Israel. Directly the result of Democrats playing tippy-toe, friendly, with the Iranians. The Iranians love this theater of operations because we have put targets out there for them to go after. And I love the way we're referring now to it being a suicide drone attack. Kind of interesting. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's take it forward to the last year. So President Joe Biden, this was from September. So they traded for those, uh, you know, uh, they traded for our servicemen, and they gave them billions more in relief, allowed them access to more billions just prior to the attacks on Israel. And the president thought, that's okay. I defended the action. 
And, and, and so much more. As we get into the second hour, we'll talk more about that. It, it, it is unbelievable. And our again, our governor stays silent. People say, why should you ask him? Well, we definitely should. Right now, top of the hour, stay tuned. The, well, no, actually, we're not. <laughs> we're going to stick around for a few minutes, but I want to get to it. So, well, we are going to take a break. We'll be right back after this chat. I'm your guest host here sitting in for Pete Callender. We'll be right back after this.